0: Blessing. Hey, definitely want to emphasize the uh, harvest. Uh, we we love this time of year. Besides the good food, uh, <laughs> but uh, we look forward to family feasts because when everyone brings something in to share with the as a meal, it's just a blessing to be able to gather. And it'll be right after the service, so we bring it that morning. We put it in the refrigerator if we need something in the oven to warm up, whatever it may be. Just bring it in early that morning so we can coordinate that. And we just have a nice big feast for that. Also, don't forget the Ch- uh, Calvary Chapel magazine that's out there. It's free. See what's going on around Calvary Chapel as a whole. And, uh, and many things to be praying for. And especially Calvary Chapel of Tel Aviv. Um, and uh, them being able to be used by God to minister to so many uh, in uh, that area. If you're here for the very first time, we welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're just happy. For you to be here with us, uh, here in person and also online. And we're going to be picking back up where we left off uh, in Revelation. But please stand as we read a scripture together. It's out of Revelation chapter 14. And we take the first three verses here, reading out of the New King James Version. But read with me. Then I looked... And behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of a loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. And Father, as we open up your word and as we read your word and we study your word, we know we need you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate this word to us, for us to understand not only what you're saying here, but how that applies to our lives personally. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would touch the hearts of the people here. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here that does not know you personally, has not been given, has not given their life to you, and been redeemed, been forgiven of their sins, I pray today, Lord, your spirit, be to their hearts, and they would cry out to you for forgiveness and commit their life to you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Open up your Bibles to Revelation chapter 7. We will take the first eight verses here. I'm going to read those Uh, some of those verses, and then we will talk, uh, we'll we'll discuss and uh, highlight uh, through verse by verse here at Calvary Chapel. Revelation chapter 7, verse 1 starts, After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, On the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east having the seal of the living God and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea saying do not harm the earth the sea or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. I'll pause there. As we look at the scripture today, before the opening of the seventh seal, which we'll see in the next chapter, we have a break in action here between the sixth seal and the seventh. And we see this break in action to answer the big question at the end of chapter six, if you draw your attention to verse 17, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? That's the big question, who is able to stand? This parathetical or interlude portion that is inserted here in this chapter, chapter 7, explains some of the details from the opening of the first six seals of the destruction that we saw. Now this chapter is divided into two parts. We'll take the very first part today in verses 1 through 8, which explains these two different uh, groups. The first one we'll find on the earth, the other in heaven. Jesus provides John, the apostle John here, with visions of what is occurring on earth and in heaven simultaneously through the seven years of tribulation. In verses 1 through 8, he speaks to John the vision of the 144,000. The 144,000 Jews, select people of Israel on earth during the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Then we see in verses 9 through 17, John gives us the vision of a great multitude, a great multitude of Gentiles that no one can count but from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the Lord. The very first special group that we'll talk about today is the Messianic Jews will come to saving faith in Christ through the testimony of two witnesses, whom we will see in Revelation chapter 11. But the 140,000 Jews will respond and be used by God to witness to the people here left behind after the rapture. They're enabled by God. Spirit-empowered lives and words from God that will bring about the history's greatest revival ever taking place will happen during the seven-year tribulation. We thought the Jesus movement was huge. That is nothing compared to what will happen in those first few years uh, through the tribulation time. This greatest revival will take place. So here in chapter seven, verse one through three, we see after these things, meditata, we see that here and in verse nine, meditata. It means after these things, I saw four angels. Four angels are involved again. Are it the same four angels that we talked about earlier? Or a different four angels, we don't know, but they're standing at the four corners of the earth. And you're sitting there, what do you mean, four corners? Isn't the earth round, spherical? Well, technically, yes. But it's a it's a symbol for us to understand there's four quadrants or four areas. We we sometimes we talk about it from a compass perspective, the north, south, east, west perspective. They're covering the entire gamut of the earth. But this Four angels all part covering the entire earth here. It's not just some localized area in just Jerusalem or it's just happening in another part of the world. No, this will affect the entire globe. And what they're charged to do, we see in these words here, is that they are holding the four winds of the earth. They're going to hold the winds. There'll be no wind whatsoever on this earth. And as you, if you studied and you did, a, were a really good student in earth science in high school, you understand the importance of the movement of wind. And how the just the movement of wind it, it evolves in regards to the... The temperatures of this world, the, the, the patterns of, of how the rain will be brought about and bringing up the moisture and bringing down the moisture in the air, everything is revolves around the winds of this world. Now, when we take a look at these verses and we go through these verses, we see that uh, the four winds, we see the importance of this. Now, notice here in the original language of the four angels talks about anglios. We know exactly what they're referring to as angels themselves. And this phrase here, the four corners, is an ancient term that is used, and sometimes modern term as well. The four points of a compass, but the number four is also important. It means creation. It means north, south, east, west, or four seasons. That number biblically stands for the world here that it's talking about, that is going to be affected. But they're holding these winds back. These winds of a, a we're going to be used by God using the instrument of these, of these angels to hold the winds back to bring about destructive forces of God's judgment upon this world. And as they often are in the Old Testament of Hosea 13 verse 15, we see that these winds are, are is arachak, and it means a, a means winds. It means in the Hebrew that the spirits of, of these winds' movement, or the spirits of heaven. And when this happens, we will see. Even referring back to the horsemen of uh, the four horsemen of Revelation chapter six, verses one through eight. After the pattern of Zechariah verses chapter 6, I should say, verses 1 through 8, it talks about the four chariots with horses of the same colors and it's going to bring about destruction on this earth. So again, this part of chapter 7 is referring to chapter 6. It's also referring later on. It's chronologi- chronologi- chronolog- chronologically. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Um, is not in the sequential. It's referring to what has happened and what is going to happen, and we will see that a little bit further here as we discuss. But it's a biblical topology. It means wind means judgment. And then we get down after these four angels, being as we'll see, ready to bring about the winds of judgment. We see a fifth angel show up. We do not know who this angel is, but we do know it is not Jesus, like many, some people commentators will say. Who this is, is that fifth angel. Why do I know that? Because in the original language, it's the same word here as the four angels, anglios. It means an angel, not Jesus. And he's carrying a seal, a seal that we don't know what that is or what it looks like, but it's a seal that is given to him. He's rising from the east where the rising of the sun, having a seal from the living God. We don't know exactly what that seal is, but it's an identifier. That's what seals are. It's an identifier. We saw this scroll with six, with the the seven seals. It means a security. It means a, it's a closed. It's not, unless you, you can redeem it, unless you can open it, you're not able to do that. But obviously, this angel was given the ability to have an identifier that will be placed, as we will see, on 144,000 evangelists, as we will talk about. We'll go in much more detail. But instruments used by God. Set aside for a purpose for God. For the people to reach the people of this world who are left behind after the rapture. But what does this angel say to them? Do not harm the earth, the sea, and the trees. You can see what the destruction is going to bring about. It's going to have traumatic effect on this earth once God says to let go of those, the judgments. And then which we will see in the trumpets and the bowls as we will go through continue to go through the scripture but he says do not harm them just hold back notice the terminology as we see in the scripture until till means there's a plan of action there is a sequential a moment and the angels telling the four angels i know you have a mission i know you know what that mission is i know you have covering the entire globe on this mission and you're going to be set loose on the entire globe here but not yet until God is a God of order. There's a, there, no, no one's going to rush God. And no one can hold back God to accomplish the plan that He has in this time of frame of the seven year of tribulation. But He says they're going to seal the servants of of our god on their foreheads these servants of god will receive a protective seal on their foreheads and it contains how do we know this what it is we know enough through revelation chapter 14 verse 1 that we read at the very beginning they contain god's name in some manner Will it say adonai god's name right on there they will be identified as knowing this is these are protected by god and satan will not be able to touch these 144,000. We don't know what this seal will look like. Will it be like a tattoo? I mean, everyone's accustomed to under- t- tattoos. I mean, everyone tattoos everything these days. So it will be quite normal to see a tattoo in the middle of a forehead because of the way things are today. It won't be odd strange but whatever it is, it will be easy to understand that the population will see and understand. There's an addenda, there's a mark, there's that that will be clear to them. Their name, God's name, will be placed upon them, and it'll be right on their foreheads. And we know, in fact, that it's going to be the Father's name. However, that He's going to do that, it will be done. Now it's interesting, this seal is not just an outward mark on the body, but it's also an inward presence of the Spirit of God within them that is going to empower them to do this mission, to do this ministry for God to reach as an evangelist in all the fallen world that is left behind. The power to be those witnesses, to proclaim the gospel, will be their sole mission. Joel chapter 2 verses 28 and 29 says, "And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, and also on my maids, ma- men servants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days." God, sometimes people think, well, once the rapture happened and God leaves and that's it, everyone is out for themselves. Oh, trust me, it'll become tremendous chaos with the absence of the church body. You, you, the light, you, the salt in this world today. Any goodness is gone. And so many people think that God's gone, everyone's gone, and then that's it. You're just, it's going to be a frenzy. I think it is still going to be a frenzy, but by the grace and the mercies of God, he is going to still, during the seven-year tribulation, do grace and mercy to those who rebelled and said, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't need God in my life. I'm, I'm just doing just fine. Those who pretend to be Christians, but were never born again. They were just playing the religious thing. It was just a social gathering. That's all that would matter to them. And they were left behind because they really weren't born again. All of those who were, you shared the gospel with, the good news that you need to know Jesus before the rapture, before it happens, because before the end, God's wrath comes upon this earth, you need to give your life to Jesus. You shared and shared and shared and shared. And you're like, are they ever? Well, I believe the greatest uh, uh, evangelist moment, revival, will take place right after you and I are gone. And there is tremendous chaos. And darkness will be so thick that you, the people who are left behind will just flash back. And they will give their life to Christ. I do believe that but not only that we see that God is preparing and like I mentioned earlier in chapter 11 we see two witnesses we'll talk about who those two, two witnesses I believe who they are but they're outside of Jerusalem and they're going to be I mean they're the postal guys who everyone in the world the scripture says everyone in the world everyone. Yes, even the tribe in the upper you know, jungles, however God is going to reveal, he's going to, they're going to know. And they're going to be witnesses, and I believe those two witnesses are who are going to be used by God to bring about, with these 144,000, God's going to use the orchestrating and pulling that 144,000. We will see, we'll talk more in detail, but these are Jewish males. Very important as we get into more detail of that. But notice that these are going to be about and they're going to have this seal placed on them. And there's going to be 144,000 evangelists. These are going to be empowered by God to reach the world with the gospel. And people are going to get saved. We see in Ezekiel 9 verse 4, a similar protective seal was given to the righteous before Jerusalem was judged. God will do the same thing during this period of time. The servants of our God, these are going to be servants dedicated to God. We're not told exactly all the details of what they're going to do, but the 144,000 are sealed for a very specific, unique purpose. And this seal is not limited to them. Jesus was sealed. God the Father has sealed, set his seal on him, his approval, right? John 6, 27. We see that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit as a down payment for you and I of our eventual total redemption, meaning we will be brought out of this world and into heaven. We see Paul even mentioning this in 2 Corinthians. Chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, it says, God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Don't you have that guarantee? As you're sitting there this morning, you should have that guarantee that speaks of, that Paul speaks of, because you've been born again and been sealed. You have this guarantee within. You can't fully grasp it, but by faith, you know within you are saved and you are taken out of here when the rapture happens. Or if, if before the rapture you die, and God says today, today's the last day for you. However that may be, you might. You and I sometimes think we have it until next week, and a week after, a month after that, a year. After, you and I have no guarantee for the remaining of this day, let alone tomorrow. Because you and I don't know when God calls us home. Are you prepared now to go home? You don't want to be lukewarm. You certainly don't want to take and leave it kind of attitude when it comes to loving Jesus and following Jesus. that is, This is not the time, my brothers and sisters. Do you see what's happening around this world? If you know Ezekiel 38 and 39, you see the players in the, the, that war. You see this all setting up. We are getting so close. We don't know when the day and time is, but I'm telling you, we've never seen this in history. Ever. What the scripture talks about, we've never seen in historically. We see it all played in. You know, someone said the other day, Well, Pastor, I don't see Yemen yet. It's one of the five, right? And then all of a sudden, the next day, what happened? <laughs> Yemen lofted a couple of missiles. The United States had to take them down. Yemen is very much involved. Turkey's involved, Iran's involved, Russia's involved. Not fully yet, but they're all going to. Why? Because the scripture tells us so. Sudan so will be involved. he will come into the news here soon. When you, do, when you hear, oh, Sudan so did, just did something, trying to go after Israel. When you hear that, just mark, mark what I just said. Because go back and read Ezekiel 38, 39. Yeah. Servants of our God. The sealing of the Holy Spirit belongs to every believer. You and I, when they are saved. When you and I were saved, we were sealed. Ephesians 1.13 makes it very clear for you and I. Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I have that promise. Do you have that promise? The sealing of the Holy Spirit is meant to be both a comforter to you and I. But also a challenge to us, a comfort—the fact that I know that I don't have to worry about anything. This is not my home. I'm going to heaven. My Savior is going to. My Father is not going to bring a wrath upon the bride, of His Son. And we're part that we're the bride, the church, believers in Jesus Christ. But it also challenges you and me. Am I right with? Am I about my father's business? Am I doing? Am I pleasing him in what I say and do? How I live my life? It's a challenge, but it's also a comfort. We are comforted, in the fact that we have that assurance that we, we belong to him. But we're also challenged. By it to depart from evil and identify ourselves with the one we belong to. Because we have to stay away from all forms of evil, the scripture says. We must fight against the evil that is just clouding over. It's like a wave. It's a, it's a cloud. It's just, you can see it moving today. If, you, if you're not, you're not you're, open your eyes. Let the spirit of God give you discernment of what is happening around us. And we don't have to fear. Why? Because God is for us. And who can be against us? In 2 Timothy 2, 2, 2.19, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Do you claim Jesus to know Jesus? But more than that, my brothers and sisters, Remember, Satan knows who Jesus is, just by you saying, I, I know who Jesus is, that doesn't, that doesn't save you. But have you placed your life in his hands? Have you even asked for forgiveness? To be forgiven of all your sins? And to, to come into your life and to be your, the Lord of your life? To control your life? There is a difference. And when you have that, and you have that assurance, you know the day when you were saved. You remember, There's clear, no one can convince you otherwise. Because you remember when you were forgiven. You remember when that hundred-pound gorilla of guilt and shame was lifted off your shoulders. Ephesians 4.30 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Our redemption is coming near. Let us not grieve the Holy Spirit in how we live. Let us live for him with joy and peace. His peace, his joy. And be about his, our, 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 our king's business in reaching the loss and encouraging those in the faith. Now as we get to this list here in verses 4 through 8, we see the number of those sealed. It says, and I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. You have the tribe of Judah. 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 sealed were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, I, Okay, you're listening. You're, there's a little rhythm here. You should be tracking with me. 12,000 were sealed. You know, it's not, it's not complicated, boys and girls. And why I say that is because many people will twist the, the scripture on this 144,000. There are many groups, cults, over the years who claim to be the 144,000. Two very well-groomed men with black slacks, white shirt, and a little patch with their name on it. You know what I'm talking about. They have been deceived to believe they were part of the 144,000 when they first originally started. Yes, Jehovah Witnesses. But let me let me keep it really simple. I'm a simple kind of guy. I look at the text. I literally read the text, and the text tells us who who these people, these 144,000 will be. Read. You just look at the text, and we also know in the scripture, and certainly in, in chapter 14 as well. These right here, 144,000. They're very specific identification here. There's a general identification, yes, sure, absolutely, but ethnically they are Jewish. How do I know that? Because they were 145,000 were chosen out of each of the 12 tribes, and they're lined out for the tribes, and we need to know how many came from each tribe. Twelve thousand. But see. Notice here, of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed, right? And they are very specific identification. The 12,000 are divided by those 12 tri- tribes of Israel. But, but notice this here. Today, no one knows who is from the tribe of, of, the, of the 12 tribes. But it doesn't matter if we know. It only matters because only God knows all things. He knows who's going to be the 12,000 from each of those tribes. You're like, oh, I'm part of the tribe of Israel. You don't know that. Only God knows this. And so when you take a look at this, it's very clear. Only God knows this tribal ancestry, but 12,000 will come from each of the tribes here. But notice here, out of your list, if you know all the tribes, there's a few things you want to take note in your study. The first one is the fact that when you get down to Levi, Levi was the priestly line. They were not to have any land. They were to be uh, divided up and planted within the other tribes. But they're one of the sons. Remember, God promised to Abraham, who then to Isaac, then to Jacob or Israel, and Jacob had 12 sons. Those 12 sons is who we're referring to as the 12 tribes. And of those 12 tribes, notice that Levi, again, is noted here in the lineage of God's being sealed, even the the priestly line. Also notice here, as you know all the names of the of the 12 sons, there are a couple that are missing here. The first one who I want you to draw your attention to is the tribe of Ephraim, which is not noted here, but there is a name Joseph notice here. So Joseph is one of the 12 sons. But then if you remember in the scripture, Joseph was then... Blessed by his father Jacob and his two sons became doubly blessed from God. Blessed on his two sons. That we have Manasseh and Ephraim. Now Manasseh is in this list but Ephraim was not. But we see indirectly the tribe of Joseph representing that son. I'll give you my, what I think is the, is the reason behind it of the elimination of that name, and Joseph being substituted in there, but indirectly he is there. Now, perhaps Ephraim was slighted because the tribe of Ephraim was also associated with a great idolatry, I know Hosea 4.17. And because they turned away from God and went to idolatry, that is probably why their name is not highlighted here. Doesn't mean God God gave up on them. Just not highlighted here. Joseph's name was reinserted here. The second name that you do not see on here is what? Dan. The tribe of Dan. The tribe of Dan is not listed here and has been left out. And there's many people who have their reasoning they think it is. But let me step you through some key points and you can draw your conclusion on this. The fact is, is Dan's not Noted. But you'll see the grace and the mercy of God. I'll mention that in here in a moment. But all the tribes of Israel are mentioned in the end times tribulation except for Dan. Bible scholars through the centuries have proposed the reasons why the tribe of Dan is not included in the list. The very first one I will bring that most people have not heard of, and that's Dan's historical embrace of idolatry is very well known immorality that happened in that that tribe is well known. And it's in the scriptures we see it very clearly. And it leads to a disqualification for service during the end times. But any tribe involved in idolatry would be separated from the remaining tribes of Israel. That was a guarantee that God said in Deuteronomy chapter 29. And even in Judges 1830 there's a few other places So more than likely, like Ephraim, because of their involvement with idolatry and morality, getting wrapped up in the world, they will not be highlighted here in the listing of the tribes that will be sealed to do God's work. But we also see one of the things that most people don't understand is that many of the rabbis have consistently interpreted the word in Genesis Genesis chapter 49 verse 17 to mean that the false messiah the antichrist will come from the tribe of Dan and this may or may not be the case but with no doubt Dan has been not listed And Dan was the tribe that introduced, initially, idolatry into the nation of Israel. And there's consequences if you choose to follow idolatry and immorality. By the time Solomon came along, the tribe of Dan was assimilated with the neighboring Phoenicians. We see that in 2 Chronicles 2.14. They they lost their national identity because they were so much in the world and not separated for God. It's a warning for all of us in the scripture. Not to assimilate into the world and be like the world. Once you are God, you're to be separated from the world. People should see your life and how you live should be very distinctly different from the rest of the world. Dan's was not. The tribe of Dan once was the second most populous tribe. But they immediately, once they turned to the world and and started simulating with the world, their numbers dramatically dropped, their influence dropped. And by Ezra's time, it had been totally wiped out. And so we don't see Dan listed not only here in chapter 7 of Revelation, we don't even see them in the listings back in 1 Chronicles chapters 4 through 7. So, consequently, as Deuteronomy 29 21 predicted and, and prophesied and said would happen, Dan's, Dan's name was blotted out as the tribe. But, but God, we find in the scripture, When God said he's going to to Jacob, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and Jacob, his sons, to the blessings that would come with this, and how it was going to play out, God doesn't give up on his promise. And his promise says he would bring the nation of Israel all the way to the very end. So where do we see Dan being, through God's mercy and grace, reinstilled, or at least encouraged that they will not be completely wiped out? We see that in the scripture, go back and read Ezekiel 48 verses one through three. God's mercy, the wonderful redemption of the tribe of Dan, of God's grace and mercy and forgiveness of God. Now the 144,000 we see will be the beginning of a great harvest of salvation of Israel. God hasn't forgiven up Israel. God has not taken the church and replaced Israel. That is false teaching. A church who says that the church has replaced Israel is false teaching. It's heresy. We see that God is going to use his people once again, even during through the tribulation time, to bring and open the eyes of his people. Especially at the three and a half year mark when the Antichrist goes in and desecrates the rebuilt temple. But prior to that, he's going to use two witnesses. Prior to that, he's going to use 144,000 male Jews to be the evangelist to reach the lost during that period of time. So let's go through in our remaining of our time and talk about specifically the 144,000 based upon Revelation chapter seven and, verse, and chapter 14. Now again, many groups have claimed to be the 144,000. But the 144,000 are first mentioned here in verse four of chapter seven, and I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of the tribes of children of Israel were sealed. No one answers the question, or how is one going to answer the question? Who are the 144,000? Well, depends on people's interpretation. People always have their own interpretation. It appears, but again, I don't see any. I don't see any confusion here. It's very straightforward, clean. If you and I would just like you know, to, um, take a childlike understanding of, of just simply reading the, the scripture and simply literally knowing what the scripture says. You have to then, if you don't have that literal view, you have to say it's just a symbol. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't apply. Because then you'll start trying to figure out. That's why you start hearing people, oh, the church replaces that. So it's only the church that's going to be the 144,000 that's going to be. Slight. And all, I'm just telling you, my brothers and sisters, it's pretty straightforward. You read it, go back and study it. The 144,000, from a futuristic approach that we have, and I believe is considered the best interpretation, it's 144,000 literally. And when taken face value, it speaks of actual people living during the end times tribulation. It's not symbolism. And nothing in the passage leads to interpreting that the 144,000 has anything but literal number of Jews. 12,000 taken from each of the tribes noted. Once you get that settled and you see what the scripture reads and not just hear from other talking heads, but read it yourself, you'll draw that same conclusion. And we also know it's coming out of the nation of Israel. It's out of the tribes that was promised. It's 144,000 Jewish males will be virgins. How do you know these are going to be virgin males, Jewish males that are going to be chosen and sealed? Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, or verse 4. Very clear. It's right there in the scripture. And they're going to be set aside. Why is God saying they have to be a virgin? Because he wants complete, total mission for that, for those males to be do nothing but God's work and only focus on what God's called them to do. When you're married, you have other responsibilities. When you have children, you have other responsibilities. You have to provide and all these other things. But when you are a a male that's a virgin, never been with a woman, totally focused on God's purpose for their life, sealed for that purpose. That's what God wanted for these 144,000 Jewish males. No distractions whatsoever. No other divided and of, of trying to juggle everything. No, their heart and soul will be poured out into their ministry, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32 and verse 35. The 144,000 Jewish men are sealed, which means they have the special protection of God. They are kept safe from the divine judgments that are coming. How And when the wrath comes down and how the Antichrist is going to come after them because they're going to be representing uh, God, how God does that, he's going to protect them. He's got a seal on them. They don't have to worry about the Antichrist coming and taking them out because God is not going to let that happen. They can freely perform their mission during the tribulation and not have a fear whatsoever of being caught up into the the destruction that's going to come down, nor the Antichrist trying to take them out. Because remember, people who are of the faith are going to be martyred. They're going to be brutally massacred during the tribulation time. We're hearing of beheadings now. We're hearing of all kinds of absolutely horrendous, satanic things happening to the people of the Jewish people today. And to believers, our brothers and sisters, and all across, all across, you can't turn. You just doing. We are not hearing it within the states yet, but it's happening because of people standing for Christ. But in the tribulation days, <laughs> and you and I are gone, it's going to be very dark. Satan will not be restrained. Remember, the restrainer is still pushing back the darkness. Remember, we talked about that. But when the restrainer, you and I, are gone, nothing will stop the Antichrist and God's wrath coming down upon. So we see here in the scripture, don't question about it, that they're gonna be freely being able to perform their mission in the tribulation. And it's been previously prophesied that Israel would repent and turn back to God. During this period of time, God is going to bring this about to get a hold of his people, Israel, the Jewish nation, and bring them to God. We see that in Zechariah 12:10 and Romans 11, verses 25 through 27. That's why God is doing this, is to get the nation of Israel to open up their eyes, to have the veils that are covering their eyes, their blindness to who the Messiah was. Yeshua, Jesus was right there, and they're just blinded. But the 144,000 will seem to be a short of first fruits from this work that God's going to do. These 144,000 will be the first fruits of a redeeming of Israel, but also redeeming a multitude we will see in verse 9, the next, the next uh, section. Multitude that you cannot count, that's how many. The multitude is so many, you can't even count them. Their, their mission seems to be this evangelizing, post-rapture world. And they are to be going out proclaiming the gospel of who Jesus Christ is. What we are to do today, those 144,000 will do after the post-rapture. Now we see, it's interesting, this great multitude that we'll talk about next week, Lord willing, will come to faith to Jesus. Again, the two witnesses proclaiming, that is just incredible. Read ahead about the two in chapter 11 if you'd like. I believe those two witnesses are going to bring about and just really bring about those 144,000 will be those evangelists. And those 144,000 will reach the multitude you can't even count, which we will see in verse 9 and the remaining of the chapter. Not only are they sealed with the Holy Spirit as every believer, you and I, are promised, but they are going to witness, as you and I can witness, are because they're sealed. Now, they're sealed with the name of the Lord on their foreheads. The presence of God is going to be very clear to everyone, especially to the Jewish nation. They're going to see, I believe, Adonai. I don't, that's his name, God's name. However that's going to be, it's going to be clear to them, they represent God. And that's what's going to get the attention of the Israel people. But this physical mark will protect them from the judgment and will be released when Jesus begins to open up the seals. And the mark of the Lord will stand in stark contrast to what? The mark of the beast. Satan's always throwing in counterfeits of what God has already put in place. It'll be a stark contrast to the mark of the beast that's on the forehead or on the right hand of those who choose to worship Satan or the the Antichrist, which is a man filled with Satan's power. But these 144,000 and the great multitude will not bend their knee to the mark of the beast. They will not choose to worship Satan. So many people go, is this the mark of the beast? No. Whatever you're talking, the shot is not a mark of the beast. All these other things you use. Oh, don't get this credit card. It'll be a mark of the beast. You can't get the... Breathe, my brothers and sisters. Whatever that mark will be, yes, all the technology, you can see it today. You can have a chip under your hand. You can have a chip in your brain. And it's all right there. You see it. You, you've done your searches in Googles. You know it's already real. It's already tested. It's already being used on animals. It's already being used in other countries. You breathe in and out. Rest. The mark of the beast will be a distinct decision you will have to make. Will you follow the government, one world government, this leader of this government, the Antichrist who will come into power, we won't be here. That's why I said you can rest. You won't be here. You won't be sitting there going, well, you know, Pastor, I was really busy, and I didn't really realize, and I signed up for something. I think I got the mark of the beat. Breathe, my brother. Don't listen to the sensationalism that goes on it will be a very distinct decision for those who are left behind. If they're going to follow the leader of the this one world government, to be able to eat or to buy or sell or to live, you are going to have to take that mark if you're still here. If you don't, you will barely survive and you will die for your faith because you refuse to bow your knee to the Antichrist. That's how distinct it will be for those who are here. The 144,000 will not bend their knee. The Antichrist is going to try to take them out. That's not going to happen. The two witnesses we see in the scripture are going to be proclaiming and they're going to kill them. And after three and a half days, what happens to those two guys? They raise back up from the dead because they left them which is not the Jewish way. You, once a, two Jews have died, you're supposed to immediately get them buried and ceremony. They let them lay there on the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days. <laughs> and God says, Hello. <laughs> God is going to reveal his power through those two witnesses 144,000 and the multitude who will not bend their knee and they will be martyred for their faith and not bending their knee. But you are not going to be there, right? None of you all chose to give your life to Jesus now, by now. Cuz you have no guarantee for tomorrow. That's not a fear tactic, that is reality. That's true. Do not wait. Do not wait to give your life to Jesus until after the rapture. I beg you. As a pastor, I beg you. So what happens here? Much of the confusion regarding the 144,000 is a result of that false doctrine I was telling you about, especially with the Jehovah Witnesses. But it's very clear, if you have anyone, be really gentle. Be loving. If they show up at your doorstep, or catch you on the street. They've just been confused, they've been deceived. And but just think it through, It just logically, why they cannot be, in the early days, they only had a few thousand. So it was easy for them to claim to be the 144,000. But they have a little bit of a problem here. After a while, they had to, like any cult, they have to change their, their viewpoints because they no longer line up with the reality and truth of the scripture. So now, if you're a Jehovah Witness, I always ask the question when I meet them. So do you believe you're part of the 144,000? Because they said that's, a deal. that's already a signed deal. So what happens if you're not part of the 144,000? Are you part of the 8,699,048 as of 2023? Something tells me you're part of the 8,000,000 plus. What happens to you? So now you're out there, you've got this... this well, it's it's still it's it's still you know it's still we we're, we're still we haven't changed is what they tell me. They always say we haven't changed anything, any views. Oh, yes, you have, because you exceeded the 144,000. Now the 144,000 Jehovah Witnesses are now a sealed group that's called the Heavenly Hope. It's a Heavenly Hope, but they have no security, assurance, or security of the fact that they're going to. Not like you and I. And those who are the rest of the eight million, they have what they call an earthly hope. That they were going to be, you know, the 144,000 will be with God and they'll be ruling. And we get to be the rest of the same million people. We're going to be part of the paradise on earth and rule with, by Christ. And the 144,000 will rule with us over the things. So, And again, they don't even have a promise of that. Don't be fooled by cultic ways. Stick with the Word of God, the truth of God. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ by faith and faith alone in His finished work on that cross, you will be sealed. You will have a guarantee for heaven, and you're guaranteed to be co reigns with Christ, and you will be coming back to this earth after we spend some time in heaven in our new mansion that He's prepared for us. Don't forget the meal. It's going to be a great meal. Brownies, I guarantee, will be there. (laughs) The perfect brownie. (laughs) I hold all these little hopes on, you know. It's going to be great. See, it is true that there will be people ruling in the millennium with Christ. These people will be comprised of the church. You and I, the New Testament saints, believers in Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 6.2 says that. The Old Testament saints, believers who died before Christ's first advent or first arrival, will also be ruling and reigning. We see that in Daniel 7.27. And the tribulation saints, those who were saved through the tribulation, and who accept Christ during that tribulation, we see that in Revelation 20, verse 4, will also rule with Christ. Yet the Bible places no numerical limit on the group of people. That's why it's a problem with the Jehovah Witnesses. You're, it's the multitude is so many, you can't count them. Why do you know that there's 8,699,048? It goes against the scripture. You're not supposed to be counting. They always love that little moment when you ask them that question. But this groups us, the New Testament saints, the Old Testament saints, the tribulation saints, all of us during the millennia is, is, and again, that's different than the eternal state. But I'm talking about the millennial time and reign which will be established in a completion of that thousand year millennial period. And it's at that time. God will dwell with us in, the new, in New Jerusalem. And we will be, he will be our God and, he, and we will be his people. We see that in Revelation 21 verse 3 when we get there. And the inheritance and the promises to us in Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 will become ours. That's why I focus on the things of, of, in front of me. And the promises of the future for me. I don't get wrapped up into the negative and the things and, the, and the, the catastrophe is what's happening. This world is going to end. It's going to change radically. The question is, are you ready? Because all these promises are you and I. We're going to be co-heirs with Christ. We see that clearly in Romans eight seventeen. Know the scripture. Believe the scripture by faith and watch this play out. But don't go overboard. We don't know how it happens exactly. And all the details and timing. We just don't. We just know what God has given us. And we hold on to that by faith. But note the 144,000 will all survive the tribulation by God's divine protection. By not taking the mark, they're still going to make it. They're going to be able to still find food. They're still God's going to provide the food, the necessities, all the things to live. They're going to get through the war, the bloodshed against whose the Antichrist is going to have free reign, except for those God has protected. Who will stand? Chapter sixteen, verse seven. Chapter six, verse seventeen. Who can stand? We see first group today, the 144,000 virgin Jewish males is the first example, the first group. They'll be able to stand with the Lord. And when their work is done, they'll be rewarded. They'll be the fruit of their labor. Is it going to be seen next week when we see the number of souls in heaven singing praises to God they'll see the fruit of their labor. And like every pastor, one more point, I think it's only my third conclusion. What does this mean for us today? God always fulfills his promises, period. He always preserves the remnant of his people, even in the tribulation. God will set apart his people to proclaim his name and present his light to the world. We don't want to lean on the hope of tomorrow as as an excuse to put off salvation today. Please. If you hear my voice and you have not given your life to Christ, do not put it off and think you have tomorrow. Give your life to Jesus Christ today. If you've gone off cardinal road, get off that dead end road. Get off the cardinal road, my brother, my sister, and come back to the main road and follow Jesus. You've been distracted and you've been taken off and you're going back into the world. Repent and come back. I plead with you. That dead end is going to lead to destruction of your life. Because tomorrow is never a guarantee. But we have his promises. And from history to eternity. He will pre- preserve a remnant of his people to glorify his name. Until the earth is finally purified. And evil is forever eradicated. And that will happen. I don't know about you. I can't wait for that. I'm ready for all evil to be gone. No more darkness. And I'll end with a favorite verse this morning. We find in Psalm 118, verse 1. Someone spoke this verse to me. and It was just a blessing to hear from him. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Amen? Father, we thank you and praise you for your word this morning. I pray a blessing upon your people. Those who are here and those who are online, I I love you dearly. The Lord loves you dearly. And I pray, Lord, through your word... You've touched each and one of our hearts and reassured that commitment of our life for you and remembering of your commitment, your life for us. You paid for the penalty of our sins on that cross. It's finished. It's done. And we believe it. We receive it. We accept it. We're thankful and grateful for your saving us and forgiving us of our sins. While eyes are bowed and eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if there's anyone here today that want to give their life to Jesus Christ, wants to be forgiven of all their sins, just raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to know who God is touching right now because God knocks at the door of every man and woman's heart to give them an opportunity to surrender their life and to be set free and forgiven of their sins for eternity. Just raise your hand. I want to know who God is touching. Don't don't grieve the Spirit. Just take a step of faith and put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand who wants to give their life to Christ. Father, we thank you. I pray, Lord, that Yes, everyone is sitting here, has given their life to Christ, that they're not thinking they have another chance later, that they will think about it. I pray that's not in their minds. Lord, don't let the enemy deceive them to think they have another opportunity. You've given this opportunity. I pray they will respond to this invitation to to surrender their heart to you. And by your grace, your mercy. Bless again, Lord, this time in your word to our hearts and our minds. Transform our minds by the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please.